0: Elander, the Oilers, on oh, sharp angle, shot, he scores! Here's Siebert, great circle,
1: fires, he scores! One minute, oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose bucket from the score! It's not! and scores!
0: The cat connects with a one-timer. Heimer.
1: It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy, presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw, to dock over the saber line, down the left, wing. he scores! Kirby Dock! Here's Doc with a backhanded score! Kirby Doc! The first two goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey
2: team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better.
1: That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by Fanlist. I'm Chris Bowden. Your pre- and post-game host on 720 WGN Radio is always joined by our intrepid reporter inside the Blackhawks locker room, Joe Brand, who uh, did not have a very pleasant locker room to work as we record here Wednesday night after the 6-3 loss to the New York Rangers and the Hawks return home following an underwhelming 1-4 and four road trip. But before we start diving into that a little bit deeper... Joe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix this up. Is this is okay? Just just to mix things up, try and change the luck around. So, is it okay if I do if I do the read?
3: Yeah, I, I, I'll let you slide this All right.
1: time. All right. We were fighting over it. The The piece of paper did did stay together. But uh, this is most important because Blackhawks Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawks season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash Blackhawks Crazy spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T. Dot .com. Fanless partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and lists tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus Fanless is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard, 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash Blackhawkscrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. fanlys dot com slash Blackhawkscrazy. As always, our appreciation to FanList for being our presenting sponsor. That wasn't a half bad. That's better than I usually do, Joe. Not not quite up to your standard, but I think the thing, as it relates to fan list here, is the way the Hawks are trending now, uh, as we speak here. One five and two over their last eight, two six and two over their last ten, and sinking further despite what is clearly needed at this time of year in these wild card standings in order to break or prevent a two year playoff drought from extending to three. Um, the, the the people who use FanList and others as season ticket holders are, if they're looking to get those tickets off their hands it's becoming more and more difficult here unfortunately um, because of the way this team is trending and again another urgent situation here on Wednesday night after a real disappointing road trip and the Hawks after playing a real solid second period getting this game at 1-1 absolutely fall apart in the third period
3: Today was just a game where it's very difficult to pull out any positives. Even on that recent road trip of only winning one game, at least you saw some hard fought battles. You saw a game against Vancouver where they may have played their most, or the, rather their strongest effort in a 60 minute game all year long. But today was just more of what was wrong with the Hawks earlier this year the lack of consistency the lack of energy, and that's Jonathan Taves' phrasing uh, after the game. So when all of this happens in must-win hockey games, it's going to be a, mo- a lot more of a, a demise feeling in the locker room, and that's exactly what you got today. Um, because they're running out of answers. They really are. And you, you're not going to take away... This game for just blaming the goaltender, but Robin Leonard didn't have that great of a game, and I think he was just out of things to say today, too. I mean, usually he's not not Mr. Positivity, but he's the guy that, that at least tries to take the positive spin and, and still... Or rather, find the silver lining and find a way to hopefully motivate this team. But they're running out of chances if they haven't completely run out of them already. Yeah, and, and
1: he was short,
3: blunt. We're not going to
1: share Robin's uh, comments with you because it, it's been different. He did take responsibility, but he still called out other breakdowns that happened in this game. And breaking down is just simply what the Blackhawks are doing right now. 26-26-8. They remain stuck at 60 points. They're 12-13-4 at home. And this is a Rangers team kind of doing the same thing that the Blackhawks are trying to do with Uh, rebuild on the fly. You have your studs there. You have some guys you have brought in, but it's basically you know, a real young team developing under their head coach, David Quinn. And right now, they're putting it all together. They may not make the playoffs, but this is a team kind of in a similar situation. And they came in winners of five straight on the road. They'd won seven of their previous 10. And they just decided to flip the switch there in the third period. And we'll hear from Jonathan Taves here in a couple of moments. We're also... Uh, we'll first hear from Jeremy Colleton. And, and uh, before we play that for you, it was very evident upon returning from this road trip. Obviously, I'm not around the team when they're on the road. But after that one and four trip, just seeing the same problems rear their head over and over and over again on this trip. When he spoke on uh, Tuesday after practice and then again here Wednesday morning, you can tell he's starting to get real impatient and you'll about you'll be about to about to hear him after this 6-3 loss to the rangers here on wednesday night almost fire him a couple of shots across the bow which is which is a risky thing to do with this team as you know hanging in the balance as it is and you know a room trying to figure itself out but You'll hear him talk about how the coaches need to be better, but he very pointedly says the players need to be better. And once again, this was a situation where um, the door was right open—you know, still wide open. You have an opportunity with two home games here to try and get back on track. You're playing another one of these teams in front of you coming up on Friday night, but in the end you're not able to gain any ground, and the frustration is becoming more and more palpable the more this team is unable to... You know, grasp what they need to do and take it around its neck and, and run with it because they have now shown an inability to do that ever since the bye week, which may have been the worst thing for them.
3: It's very controversial when one of the things that Jeremy Colliton says is the team was not prepared enough, and that starts with the coaching. The coaching wasn't prepared enough. I mean, that's, that's a big thing to say. You're taking a lot of responsibility by saying that, but... I don't know. To the counter argument of that is these are professional hockey players. They should be prepared on their own. Um, and, and the other thing is, which I'll always fall back on this year, is this team has shown signs, has shown glimpses of putting it all together and, and playing as a team and playing with strong effort and playing more aggressive and having that shoot-first mentality. But for some reason, they can never put it all together. So you're right. Jeremy Colleton by saying this is somewhat calling out some of these players but I mean yeah the blame's got to go all around especially in today's game. Nobody had a perfect game. Hardly anyone had a great game I mean Dominic Kubalik did um, but this is not the time to be having these problems and Here we are once again. We're in the middle of February, and we're talking about the same problems this team had in November. Yeah,
1: and um, we're heading down that road here for a third consecutive uh, spring without any playoff hockey. Blackhawks last won a playoff series when they clinched the cup in 2015 here against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we've been talking about, let's without further ado, let you hear what the head coach had to say, as blunt as we have ever heard him and probably as frustrated as we have ever heard him after the 6-3 loss to the New York Rangers. So, um not good enough obviously from our end
0: uh you know didn't didn't love our first period thought we had a decent second period responded with uh some energy and compete and got ourselves back in the game and then uh third period just nowhere near good enough especially away from the puck um you know we just we didn't have enough guys going ultimately so we're a team that we need everyone going to compete i think when we have everyone going we're uh we have, a, we have a good chance to win every night, and that's just not what we had tonight. So um, very disappointing.
1: Given the stakes and the situation, how do you explain not having the energy, the push that you need?
0: Makes you angry um, because it's, it's a game that we, you know, we, you look before like we need this game. And uh, just uh, we didn't do the things uh, right from the start. To put ourselves in the best position to win, uh, we just didn't have enough guys ready to play. Were there just uh, defensive breakdowns in that third period, or did you just have uh, Leonard's number kind of? Oh, I would say there's uh, repeated defensive breakdowns, just them getting on the wrong side of us uh, basically the whole period. And uh, whether that was off the rush or whether that was in in D zone, and we had a couple turnovers as well. It's just not a recipe to keep the puck out of your net.
3: Was there something strategically that they were doing to exploit it, or was it just a lack of execution?
0: They got some skilled players who got inside us and made plays, and uh, we weren't able to close guys out uh, in, in D zone, and they get on the wrong side of us, and then it's hard to defend. And uh, there's a couple times where we were late to recognize transition, and so they had numbers back. I thought there's a couple times where our gap was, was nowhere near good enough. That wasn't the third; just the third period. I thought it was the whole game. Our gap was nowhere near what it needs to be. So... Um, we just didn't do enough good things.
1: You, stand the players, we've been hearing a lot about there's a lot of hockey left, running out of hockey here. Are you still, I mean, what, what do you feel this team's future is right now? It's there? not, to me, that,
0: like... We have to think really short term right now, and that's tomorrow. How are we going to prepare better? Because we didn't prepare well enough. So that's you know the, the coach has got to do a better job of preparing the team. The team needs to do a better job of preparing each other, and then individually they got to do a better job of preparing themselves to play. We didn't do a good enough job.
4: Do you feel like Baldquist has hit a, somewhat of a rookie wall? It
0: was a tough night tonight, um, you know. But again, I, I said it. When we took him out, I said. When we, we went back in, he's a kid, and so it's not going to be perfect all the time. And it's our job to help him through it. So um, that's what we got to do. What do you
4: think the players can do specifically to prepare themselves better so that this, these efforts are better going forward?
0: Well, it starts tomorrow with how we practice. Uh, making sure that whatever we do, let's do it with intention and and like it's a game. And uh, when you prepare in that way then when it becomes game time and the intensity goes up to 100 it's not a big shock you got those habits in you and then i think before the game you're um, going through your mind exactly how you need to play to have success individually what we need to do as a team again so that when when the intensity gets ramped up you're just ready to do it and uh, we need to do a better job
1: coach is that equal parts mental and physical
0: i would say it's Especially this time of year, it's ninety percent mental. Physically, you kind of are what you are, and uh, you got to prepare yourself mentally to do what you need to do, and you'll, your, the, the body will kick in. So it's almost
4: like they don't understand that the level across the league is, is you know, at this time of year does
0: ramp up, and they're just not meeting it. I don't know if it's a question of understanding. We just got to do it. So um, I don't, you know, I I, th- I thought we we played pretty hard on the road trip. Um, wasn't perfect, but the last three games in particular, I thought we played pretty hard. But you got to do it over and over and over and over again. And uh, when you face adversity, you got to stick with it. And uh, that's when you break through. And if you don't, you get swept away.
1: An impatient uh, Jeremy Carlton, probably as uh, we have really haven't heard from him in his 15 months here since taking over uh succeeding Joel Quenville and uh, uh he's he's almost sounding as frustrated as a lot of the fans who well <laughs> on social media it's a, it's a little bit more vocal uh with with some of the fans frustration but um Again, the same things jumping up and biting them. The power play. They tried some different things here, a different personnel, different setup with each unit. One three one on the first unit, which basically didn't look as good as the second unit, which was kind of a, a box a box in one setup. And uh, trying to get this thing going. 0 oh, for 14 on the road trip. Now, what was it? 0 oh, for 3 tonight? So 7 for 74 in the last 24 games. It has hit rock bottom in the league, under 14% now. And then the penalty kill, which you hope isn't leaking oil, but now has given up six power play goals in the last five-plus games. Um, I thought it had two real good kills the first two instances, and then after it's 2-1, Olimata takes a penalty, and that's when the Rangers are able to score on the power play. Again, they're ranked sixth in the league on the power play, 35% since the Christmas break. So you left that door open for them, and, man, they took advantage of it. And the other point that Jeremy made here, sloppy game defensively. And once again, growing pains. 19-year-old, we know Adam Boqvist is, is going to be really good. And, uh, but as he plays now, this was, what was it, his 33rd NHL game. Had to sit him a couple nights ago for the Winnipeg game, go over some tape, went through some review. Colleton says Wednesday morning he thinks it's going to be good for Adam and right off the bat on that opening goal by by, uh, Philip Hedel and then again a couple of times in the third period the defense either getting around him or getting behind him so these are some of the growing pains that you're going to experience with a 19 year old he wasn't alone out there but uh, again uh, it's taken a village to see this team crumble a little bit. And, and uh, just about all the villages is, is is contributing to it.
3: We've mentioned it on the podcast a few times, how guys like Adam Boquist and and on the offensive side, Kirby Docker are getting all this playing time because of some of the injuries that have hit the Blackhawks this year. So uh, that's the one good thing is Adam Boquist gets to play the next day more than likely to uh, shake off a bad game like that. You're right about Jeremy Colleton showing a sign that he hasn't shown much of this year. He did show it earlier this year where he just seemed very pissed about the work ethic and was a little bit fed up and was seeming to call out the team. Today it was more he was explaining that he was upset, not so much showing it. It was an exasperation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a little what else can I do uh, type thing. But but then again, he goes on and says, well, we could be a little bit more prepared. So again, there's there's a lot of value to saying that. Um he says it makes you angry when the team doesn't come out with the effort level, and you'll hear very shortly Jonathan Taves mention that 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 what that's one of the things, or at least the main thing that was missing today, was the effort level. So you'd expect to see more of this from Jeremy Colleton, but um, I don't know where I'm going with it. Other than you know he has shown this sign before, but it, but it was in a different light today. Um, and, and let's not, let's not hide the fact that New York played a very good game today. That's something else that Carlton mentioned, how their skilled players are getting inside on the defense and, and really making it tough. You mentioned Robin Leonard bringing up the fact that not everyone had a great game and there were so many quality chances because of New York's aggressive approach. I really thought for the first two periods, even if the Blackhawks had a shot on goal lead, uh, New York's chances were just so much more quality, um, It wasn't until the Blackhawks' second power play unit came out on their first power play that they started actually generating some good opportunities. Meanwhile, New York, it seemed like everything they did um, was a very strong scoring effort. Uh, Their defense did a superb job of just giving the Blackhawks any sort of clear lane on their zone and then... Once they brought it to the offensive zone, and this is something that Drake Kajula mentioned, how the Blackhawks just spent way too much time in their defensive zone. And you got to give some credit to New York because they made it very tough for them to get out of it.
1: Yeah, it was a good second period for the Blackhawks. They controlled most of that. But then at the end, you saw New York make a push in the final two or three minutes. Hawks able to escape that period with a 1-1 tie, get into the locker room, try and reset, but... It was it was New York that flipped the switch. And that top line has really been driving their good play lately. Kreider, Zabenejad, and Buchnevich, They came in with 20 goals and 36 points in their previous 11 games. They scored three times on Wednesday night, collected a total of nine points. And that's a line that doesn't even have Artemi Panarin on it and Ryan Strom. Um, and, and those two guys have been playing awfully well of late and this goaltending situation for the Rangers is is golden right now. They may have a headache a headache on their hands with what they're going to do with Henrik Lundqvist or whether they'll just keep him in a backup role. But we saw Igor Shosturkin for the first time tonight and his his numbers uh, or his performance lives up to the numbers that he has put so far. How sustainable it is, I don't know, but the kid looks really sharp in that. So we mentioned the Rangers stars coming to play. And I don't think that the Blackhawks big guns necessarily played a quote unquote bad game. You know, the the Taves, Kubalik, and Kajula line certainly generated some things. I really liked for the most part what Dr. Brinkett and Strom were doing. Uh Patrick Kane and and, and Carpenter and Saad pray a little quieter now, although Sod had what, seven shots on goal. But uh you mentioned what, what Jonathan Taves uh was talking about in the locker room. Uh we'll get to your slap shots questions, which kind of morphs us into trade deadline talk. After we hear from Jonathan Taves, here's the captain after the six-three loss on Wednesday. Gave up a bunch of goals, Easy goals.
2: What can you guys do at this point? Because
0: the point totals are not coming your way.
2: I mean, uh, to me, the story of the game tonight was just—you know—you're going to have games throughout the year where you don't have energy, where it's—it's it's hard. You got to find. Uh, the motivation to go out there and play your best game—it's um, just—it's a mental thing that, that you have to do. It's—it's it's just the name of the game, playing NHL hockey. That uh, it's one of the challenging things. That you know, if you want to make a playoffs and you want to be a winning team, you're not going to feel your best every night. There's going to be tough travel, tough schedule, uh, a lot of adversity, things that pile up in your way, and uh, you got to find a way to overcome it. So we didn't do that tonight.
1: Given the stakes, yeah. how disconcerting yeah. is that that the energy wasn't there?
2: It's very concerning. Um, I think that game was there to be had, too. And uh, a lot of opportunities, a lot of open ice. Um, you know, again, there's moments where we're playing our game where we have four lines rolling. Guys are uh, making good changes, getting pucks deep, making other teams better where they don't want to play. And then uh, a lot of other you know, other times where we just get away from that and the turnovers are in the wrong areas and team men, forwards, can do better jobs supporting each other. So... Just little details like that.
1: What's the frustration level with the team
2: right now? Um, it's at a healthy level. I hope so. Um, you know, it's. Uh, you gotta get frustrated. You gotta get, you know, angry. But uh, you gotta channel that the right way.
4: The struggles at home this championship. have been surprising.
2: <coughs> um. Yeah. I mean, you gotta love to play in your own billing the way we've been. It's uh, not good enough. So. You know, we got to take advantage of the next one. With, with this long road trip coming home, was that, was that <coughs> such a big factor when you look at the schedule that you guys dealt with this one? Well, we've seen that before this year, where we have some uh, tough road trips and we come come home and have a letdown like we like we did tonight. So, got to be able to see that coming and, and uh, respond better than we did.
3: What was going on in the third period that uh, things started to snowball?
2: I don't really have an answer for you.
1: Slapshot questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Boated Tweets and at Joe underscore Brand One for your questions to be read on the podcast. Thank you, Ernie Scatton. Appreciate the fine introduction you always give us. And by the way, before we get to the slapshots questions, and we're we're actually going to combine a couple that we had here because. There's a lot of goalie talk going on with what we've been offered. But first of all, some great news. We passed along a couple of weeks ago how um, uh, Ernie's wife uh, had herself a, an emerg- emergency medical situation, and uh, we asked for some some. Good thoughts, some good vibes, and we are really pleased to report. Uh, Ernie, I've been texting back and forth, and he told me a couple days ago that she is making uh, remarkable progress, better than they probably could have hoped right now. She has a go home date here sometime soon. So if any of you were listening to the podcast and happen to give out some uh, good energy and some good vibes, it's apparently working because uh, we're happy to report that uh, Ernie's wife is doing much, much better. I'm so happy for him. Uh, and his family so those slap shots questions we're going to buy combine a couple mostly what we're getting is a lot of frustration you know everyone's just kind of you know uh, flustered by now with the way the things have been going and you know you have your snarky snide uh, tweets as well that we won't go there but um, primarily we have some goalie questions like bob asks which goalie do you think is moving at the deadline um, and uh, a guy who uses the name Alex Leonard on Twitter, says, is it possible uh, that the Hawks aren't offering Leonard the term that he wants? Of course, both goalies will become unrestricted free agents at the end of the season. Um, seems to be the hang-up as the season winds down. And there have been various reports right now that um, the Hawks have put out feelers to what Robin Leonard may be looking for, both in terms of term and in money. We went over some of the goaltending contract numbers a couple of podcasts ago when we played Robin's thoughts on him being wanted to be paid fairly. But this is kind of an interesting thing because as this slump has continued and this team continues going in the direction it has been going, it's obvious what route that Stan is going to have to take between now and the Monday trade deadline. And what. What he is going to do, who he is going to potentially move remains in question. And we talked about perhaps now with Colorado, with the Philip Grubauer injury, maybe there's a need for goaltender there, perhaps with Carolina. But other than that, everyone else seems pretty well set among the playoff contenders at goalie. So you wonder, especially now with the Rangers situation, with having Lundquist and Georgiev and Chesterkin, after signing J.F. Barubi or acquiring him the other night, you know something's going to be up with them. So what he is able to do, what Stan Bowman is able to do with the goalies remains to be seen. And just based on Robin's play, this is as mentally strong a guy as you would think based on what he has gone through over the course of the last two years of his life. But even he mentioned in the postgame show, he he's human. He knows what's going on here as the trade deadline approaches and knows a lot more about what's going on behind the scenes with his contract talks as well, good or bad. We don't know for sure. But he kind of opened things up a little bit to those reporters saying in so many words, he's human. And you wonder if that's affecting him with some of the dip in his performance here lately.
3: It's it's tough to say what would be going on in Robin Leonard's head, especially a guy that's such a big advocate of of mental health and the awareness of it because this is a guy that... Uh, you know, he's just such an inquisitive person, and um, that's that's why I think when he's on a roll in the blue paint, he's able to just be so in control of his emotions and so in control of his thoughts because of the struggles he's had in, in the past with that, and, and that's such a great trait for a guy like that to have as a professional athlete. I would think if he were to be moved, you get that resurgence of being with a team in the hunt, and that's a boost in your confidence. And he goes back to being the Robin Leonard of the beginning of this year. But again, I don't don't think we're dealing with two different goalies in terms of Robin Leonard for the majority of this year and Robin Leonard for the past couple of games. Um, You're right. I just think he's human. I I just think he's um, just just being a goalie in the NHL. And he's
1: on social media, so he knows what's floating out there, too.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. And when when it goes down to who is the one that's going to be moved, I mean, I mentioned a few podcasts ago that I think they should flaunt both out there just to see what they could get for both. Now, I don't think that'll happen, especially now with, like you said, the market kind of downsizing a little bit for goaltenders. But I still think it's worth it. And it's so interesting with who they would move because it's going to play a big role in who would be their goaltender next year. I mean, we've talked about it, how... Really, both guys, Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford, I still see a world where they come back to the Blackhawks next year if they are moved, because Mm -hmm. Corey Crawford has all his ties to being here, and I'm sure he wants to retire as a Blackhawk, and Robin Leonard seems to really enjoy his time here in Chicago, and I'm sure if he were to be moved, he still has a lot of faith in this roster for next year. So those are the reasons why I still think you can get one of them back by next season, but but that's what's so interesting is what they do in these next couple of days is going to play a role in who's going to be their goaltender next year
1: and there's no question that that as we head in the trade deadline here and 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 we'll go a little bit deeper into it you know guys who stan is listening about and i i have no doubt stan is listening to anything that may be coming about with either of these goaltenders or both of them he has to at this point with the way the team is going um and I think ideally, in a perfect world, he'd like to bring Robin Leonard back as the as the younger guy, um, but he's going to cost more. It remains a greater commitment, and you know, with the Colorado situation, I, I re- Colorado has stuff they can offer, but whether they would offer the Blackhawks as much as a team outside their division, as opposed to a team outside their division, because. Yeah, whoever, if the Blackhawks were to trade one of these goalies to Colorado, you're only concerned basically for the rest of the year um, in, in having to face him once again. But would Colorado give up some of their assets that they have? They have a ton of cap room. They have a ton of young talent in their system. Would they be willing to trade that to the Blackhawks, those players, or that capital to the Blackhawks, for one... Run at the Cup here with Leonard with no guarantee of Leonard or Cropper with no guarantee of getting them back. I don't think it's a short term issue for the Blackhawks. If they wanted to make a deal with Colorado, I wonder whether the Avalanche would want to deal with the Blackhawks. I, I, w- I would see them being more interested in making a trade with the team we, we just saw here, the Rangers, uh, uh, rather than go within the division.
3: Well, and that's why the trade deadline is so sexy, because who is more desperate then? We are the Black- yeah, bringing our sexy out of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Yeah, Blackhawks Crazy after dark. Um, no, but I mean, who, who's more desperate? Are, are the Blackhawks more desperate to get the move done, to get something out of uh, a player that they won't have guaranteed for next year, or is the team fighting for a Stanley Cup more desperate to do whatever it takes possible to give them that final push? And, you know, with the way Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford have been playing this year, who's to say that that can't be the final moving factor? So that ties into what
1: else Stan may perhaps be doing. And, and who I'm of the opinion um, yes, Eric Gustafson is going to be a free agent. I don't see him having a future here beyond this season based on who is already under contract on the blue line, who's coming in in the form of Ian Mitchell. Um And Stan is now in a situation with having to perhaps pay Dylan Strom, who we'll hear from here in just a moment, although Strom's contract is probably shrinking with his, his recent play here. I'll come out and say that. But now he has to pay, pay Dominic Kubelik. um So I would think, he's out there listening to offers for Eric Gustafson. I think he would listen to offers, in my opinion, for Ole Mata, who's really played much better here of late, has a couple Stanley Cups under his belt, but is under contract at $4 million per year. But I still think that there are playoff teams out there willing to take that gamble if they're willing to offer Stan enough, and this would help Stan as well in the off season, kind of recoup some salary cap space. Same thing potentially for Zach Smith, a guy who's under contract for three million dollars um, next season, and um, you know you can slot guys in to replace him, not his experience necessarily, but you know other guys in in order to make room for a, for a salary cap. So Gustafson, Mata, Smith, I think those are the guys in my opinion. I, I don't think they're going to go off the board and. Trade Brandon Saad unless Stan gets his socks knocked off. Um, but those are the ones really interesting. And when you take a look, it, it's I'm wondering what's going to be left come Monday with the way the trade market has already been going over the past four or five days. But Andy Green was moved from New Jersey to the Islanders. What does New Jersey get back? A number two pick in 2021. That's for a veteran defenseman. Alec Martinez was just moved from L.A. to Vegas in exchange for... 20 and 21 number two picks. Marco Scandella, after Jay uh, um health scare. St. Louis looking to show up their blue line. For Marco Scandella, they gave up a, a, 20, a number two pick in this upcoming draft in 2020. Brendan Dillon goes from San Jose to Washington for a number two pick in 2020. And Dylan DeMello goes to Winnipeg from Ottawa for a number three pick in 2020. So... I would think Stan's shopping around. If he's if it's a Gustafson, if it's a Mata, um, not necessarily Zach Smith, but defensemen are so crucial for these playoff and Stanley Cup contenders to want to safeguard against injury. I think that's the market. Stan's going to be looking for number twos for Eric Gustafson and Ole Mata, and if he is going to move them, hopefully that's that's uh, the minimum of what's he get, what he gets back
3: here. Yeah, so again, just to to clarify, all those names you just mentioned, the worst payout was a third-round pick by next year. And don't forget, the biggest claim to fame for Eric Gustafson was what he was able to do offensively last year. This year, Gustafson has more goals and more assists than all those players you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So even with the drop-off of this year, he's still a more offensive force than those defensemen that have been moved over the past few days. So... Clearly, that works out of the Blackhawks' favor. I, I agree with you with Olimata. I thought he had a pretty good game today too. Yeah, he, I think him
1: and that third pairing with Slater Cuckoo has been pretty good. But that's what you would like out of a third of a third pairing. Have they been perfect? No, but they're, they're the typical third pairing. But should you have a four million dollar defenseman on a third pairing when you already have Brent Seabrook on the books and whatnot? He's going to be back next year, so I, that's where the I think that's where the urgency starts for, for Stan and trying to clear some of this off the books.
3: Yeah, and, and actually urgency was what I liked out of Olimata's game today. I thought there was players at the blue line just got aggressive. New York was coming the one way, and, and that's what the Hawks have been lacking is just that little spurts of aggression. So oh. y- y- the way you look at it, you got to like the Blackhawks' chances heading into this trade deadline of, of getting good returns. It's just a matter of how they work it how desperate the other teams are and how close they come down to the line of the actual trade deadline of of what happens. It's just,
1: it's just so, so comical. As, as each of these defensemen are traded and you see what, what the, the trading team gets in return in, these, in the form of these picks, these, come on, Stan, what, what are you waiting for? What are you? <laughs> hey, uh, you know, granted a lot of movement has happened here, but th- there's still going to be a lot of urgency by a lot of teams between now and Monday. I have to think it's going to happen as we continue to see more and more with each passing game what Stan is going to be forced to do here at the trade deadline. And we mentioned a moment ago that one of the guys that he has to try and make space for, you would think, is Dylan Strome restricted free agent um, this off season, and I had a chance to sit down with Dylan and uh, it's been a bit of a bumpy ride since coming back from his high ankle sprain which happened just before the bye week. Um, he didn't miss as many games as, as people would have thought courtesy of that bye week but himself this entire team hasn't quite been the same since that injury since that bye week plus Dylan's been dealing with a, a move to wing, which he has never really played before. So I had a chance to sit down and talk with him ahead of falling to 0-5 all time against his big brother Ryan here um, uh, in the NHL. And uh, I talked; we talked a little bit about the effects of the ankle sprain, his season as it was going prior to that injury, his move to wing, um, and the bye week's effects on the team performance as well. Plus I talked a little bit about, his little brother, Matthew, who a lot of people think may become the best strome of all at the time he was drafted in the fourth round a couple of years ago against Philadelphia. Well, he has had a bit of a bumpy ride himself, just like his older brothers starting out in the AHL this season. Then he was sent down to the ECHL by the Philadelphia Flyers. So, these Stone Brothers have driven uh, have the roller coaster here in their respective professional hockey careers, but I began the conversation with Dylan about the video session that he had with the coaches last week when he was a healthy scratch in, trying, in terms of uh, getting his game back in order. You haven't seen it from a production standpoint, but I think he's been better the last couple of games. Hopefully he can get back to the production level he had been. Here's Dylan talking about uh, his healthy scratch and what he learned from it last week.
4: No, obviously, you never want to get scratched as a player. You never want to be out of the lineup, and you want to help the team win. So, um, you know, first time being scratched in Chicago, and obviously, it wasn't you know, wasn't expecting it. Didn't 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 expect it, but uh, you know, I wasn't wasn't playing great. And a few games after an injury, um, you no know, minutes were down, and or it wasn't creating a lot. So. Um, and you know, I just found a way to just talk to coach and uh, you know fix some things and and work on it and create some more turnovers and um, watched a bunch of shifts so I think it was good I think it was all positive and um no, he expects me to, to be a big part of this team and, and to help the team win. So that's what I got to do.
1: So the emphasis was on yeah, you know, being a little bit more aggressive, using your body a little bit more.
4: Yeah, just uh, you know, no no flybys on guys. Just you know, when you're when you're close to a guy, get the stick in there against the stick and, and make it tough for for guys to make plays. You don't know, you don't want to be a guy that's getting made plays through all the time. And um, you know, when you just you know you're kind of curling and the guy just passes right through, you're kind of just useless. So i um, get in there, get your stick right on his stick and um, just try to create create some turnovers. You know, if you can do it, you know, one or two more times a game, it's probably one or. Two more chances a game so um, find a way to do that you know that play happens probably 25 times in a game so like i said if you can do it one or two more times help create a turnover for your teammate or or just a chance uh, for them less against
1: you're just like everybody else in here you, you don't want to use anything as an excuse but you know with that injury it's probably something you never get totally over with until the summer and um, uh, you know have you how much has it affected you um, as much as you're willing to admit
4: yeah i mean it's you know, the first couple games, I definitely felt it for sure. But, you know, the last, you know, four or five, I I haven't. So, you can't use that as an excuse. No, I feel good. I feel like, you know, like when I'm on the ice, I feel 100%. So, you know, I took the tape off after, I think, three games. And then, you know, after that, it's been feeling pretty good. So, you know, it's different. I mean, I think it's just more of the timing, you know, missing a month of hockey. And, you know, we having an all-star break. And, you know, like coming back right after, I think, you know, obviously I wanted to play. I was sick and tired of sitting out. So try to do whatever I could to play and then um, you no know, the team was playing well so I wanted to get back in there and then help the team win and unfortunately we've had a little bit of a slide but you know we just got to find a way to get back on track so um, no I, I, I feel good um, I feel like uh, I feel like I can give more and and uh, hopefully I can start producing again how, how
1: had you been feeling about your game before that unfortunate injury
4: yeah I', felt, I was feeling great I think I had like four goals in five games or something and it was feeling good as I'm uh, creating a lot you know started playing on the wing with docker and, and cat and was feeling good and then um, They'll come back lines change and, and stuff like that and you know you've got to adjust so obviously kev and Cat uh, and i didn't work well together and um you know, for whatever reason just you know didn't didn't click but uh you know switch up the lines now and um you know feeling pretty good and, and creating a lot more chances the past couple of games so obviously that's that's encouraging i think you know when you're still when you're still getting chances and you know, they're just not going in i think they'll eventually go in but you know you've got to be worried with your game when when you're not getting chances and um for a few games there i feel like i wasn't and um no, that's, that's that's on me and that's on uh you know myself to to find a way to produce. I think uh, I've done that, you know, ever since I've been here, so got to continue to do. That.
1: Since uh, you, m- moving moving over to wing here for the first time pretty much in your career, where do you think you've made the biggest strides? Where where did you need to make the biggest strides and uh, you know, uh, what's what's still there to work
4: on? I think just getting pucks out of your zone, you know, when the when they're when our D rim it. I think it's just a it's a a tough job. I mean, it's it's like a winger trying to take faceoffs. It's like their job to do to get the pucks out on the wall and, you know, There's pretty good defensemen in this league that come down and pinch pretty hard, so gotta find a way to 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 get a pass your D and and, you know, hit Docker with speed up the middle. So been working on that. Um no, I think we're still getting comfortable with each other, but I think we're we're getting there. And um, you know, I know as a centerman, um, you, know, you want to be ahead of that D, and you want to be you know able to rely on your winger to chip it past them, so you can get a two-on-one and you can go go. So I know last year we did that a lot, where you know we just rimmed it around, and you know Cahoon or, Cat or Kane or Caner, whoever it was, was really good at you know chipping off the wall to me with speed through the middle. So got to find a way to to do that. and um, hopefully, me and Docker can continue on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, You talk individual about that break there, but with the way the team was playing prior to the All-Star break in the bye week, uh, do you think that that hurt the team a little bit from from that standpoint in terms of rhythm and structure and the way you guys have been playing prior?
4: Yeah, unfortunately, I think a little bit, but um, not every team has to go through the same thing, so um, no, there's really no excuse. We... Uh found a way to get a win in Arizona there the first game back and then um kind of went downhill from there after but still got some points still managed to get a point against Boston and arguably probably should have won that game with a, with that blown call but um you know that's happens in hockey sometimes you know people might say that they blew a call when we were in Boston um and we got the, the overtime winner so you know stuff happens and um you know like I said I think we had a, you know a few tough games there on the road trip but my like coach said today we'll, the past couple of games we've been playing pretty well, and um, I think if we have that effort most most nights, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be good for us.
1: How well have you been able to comp- compartmentalize and not take your future, your contract situation, out on the ice? to you have you been able to discipline yourself and not let that creep in your mind? Yeah, I've tried to do as best as you can. Obviously, it's getting close now, so um,
4: you know, looking forward to you know to see what happens. Obviously, I you know want to stay in Chicago, and um you know, I love love playing here. So obviously, it's a lot of fun to, to be a Blackhawk and and. Um, no, I think we'll just let obviously nothing I can really do about that besides uh you know, play well and um, you know, produce and help the team win, I think, you know. When the team wins, you know, everyone looks pretty good and they wanna keep everyone so. Um you know it's uh obviously we'll see what happens, but you know, getting down to the wire here, so you know, hopefully uh hopefully something gets done and
1: uh kinda put it behind me but uh not really thinking about it too much. Everyone's talking about Ryan being in town, but uh, Little Brother's been out a little bit of a yo-yo too here in yeah. terms of you know, him being sent down a little bit. Uh, how is he getting himself through things?
4: Yeah, it's first year pro, so he's just kind of you know finding his way. Um, you know, I think he was happy to, to get the housing letter in, in the AHL and you know get kind of comfortable, set in there, and then um, you know three or four weeks into the season, he got sent down to the, the East Coast Hockey League. And um, you no, know, he's played a bunch of games there. He's been up and down a, a few times, but uh, you know, I think he's uh, you know playing pretty well there. So. Um, getting, getting a few goals, few points, and uh, you know, I think, I think he'll be, a, you know, obviously a full-time AHL next year, and, and maybe get a sniff, and we'll, we'll see what happens. He's a, he's a good player. He's a hard worker. He works hard, and you know, takes care of himself, and uh, you know, he manages his body well, and you know, I think he he's a professional, you know, professional hockey player. So, um, no, it's 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 encouraging to see. You know, he he follows my myself and my brother and my older brother, and. Um, no, he enjoys it. He wants to be a hockey player, just like we are.
1: You mentioned before, it's kind of a brotherly support system for all three. too, right?
4: Yeah, for you to sure. Dance. Yeah, um, and we've all gone through it. You know, last year, uh, you know, my little brother was having you know great success in, in junior. He, I think he had 80 points last year. You know, you know, 35 goals or something. So. Um, you know, and, and Ryan and I started off, you know, obviously not great in Arizona and Edmonton, and we both got traded and kind of picked it up, and we all kind of finished off strong last year, so that, that was obviously a positive. And then, you know, this year, um, you know, Ryan's been playing great. Um, you know, Matt kind of struggled a little bit, and we've we been trying to help him out. And um, you know, so everyone goes through. He got a concussion too, so I mean, we're all going through kind of the same thing. You know, there's injuries and stuff happens, and um, you know, lines change and you get sent down or you get scratched or things like that. So um, you know, we all try to help each other out. Um, obviously, Ryan's a great role model, and I think it starts with our parents. So, our parents are, you know, behind us all the way, and they're going to tell us how it is. Um, yeah I should refrain. My dad will tell us how it is. My mom's very positive all the time. So, um, you know, obviously, my dad has a great mind for the game, and you know, you know, usually what he says, our uh, you know, the coach here follows up with that. So, um, you know, he's a pretty smart guy, and you obviously, value his opinion a lot.
1: Nice having a few minutes with Dylan Strome uh, earlier this week, and uh, after Wednesday night's game, popped out of the uh, popped out of my uh, my bunker here into the corridor where uh, uh, both teams' locker rooms are. Had a chance to uh, just see him and, and Ryan gathered around uh, mom Trish, who uh, by virtue of getting her second mom's trip of the season, this being from the Rangers, being forced to wear a Rangers jersey, claims she wore a Blackhawks. Jersey uh, Blackhawks t-shirt underneath but uh, yeah she was denied the opportunity to wear a Blackhawks jersey with all the other traveling Rangers moms there and uh, yeah, indeed Ryan ends up having uh, the bragging rights and Dylan was stuck with the bill when uh, the two boys went out with mom on uh, Tuesday night prior to the game but as we close out here Joe um, if all is lost and if if this team will now take the tact of being a seller and kind of resigning itself to the fact where let's get as many assets as we can here for the future, let's ride the rest of the season out. If we get to that point here after after Monday's deadline, the interesting storylines to watch no matter who's left here or whoever's going to play goal or, or, or whatever is, is going to be how does Dylan Strome finish off this season? Can you build momentum for next year? How does Alex Dobrinkit do the same? Can you get more out of Alex Nylander, who has had a very long leash and big body of work to acclimate himself to the NHL, um, whether people are pleased with it or not. Uh, how they finish up this last push, if indeed the Blackhawks are going to be denied, uh the playoffs once again for a third consecutive spring, uh, they're going to have to find some momentum and grow their game here to uh, you know kind of build some hope here moving forward.
3: I, I think you just gotta let it ride, let them play, and more importantly, I I, I still like that line the best with the Brinkett Strome and, and Kirby Doc, and you've got a young 19-year-old that can still learn from a couple of young studs that you know came into the league with so much prof uh, promise. Each had different paths, but each have also hit uh, some pretty high-performing years. So I, I think that's that's a good good way to mold a a Kirby doc and for Alex to bring it, just, just have that sensibility that I'm going to be playing every day and I'm going to have the ability to work out of this funk. And let's not forget the second power play unit with those guys looked great today. Um, so hopefully that's something positive to look moving forward, but yeah, for the most part, just, just let it ride and let those guys try to break out of their funk and, uh, hopefully good stuff will come out of it. Yeah. and, And in the end, yeah
1: it it is real disappointing you know uh, our next podcast will come monday afternoon once the trade deadline is passed once we hear from stan bowman we will bring that to you that's going to be our next podcast we will have all the answers we can we won't have to speculate anymore in terms of who's on this team and who isn't and what was stan was able to do at the deadline we'll have those answers on our next podcast but in the end the way this has trended that last road trip This next one coming up after Nashville, Um, when we have our next podcast, it's going to be between the Sunday afternoon game in Dallas and then going back to St. Louis to take on the Blues before going to take on, oh yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning and then a Florida team that's uh, suddenly on the ropes after the last time the Blackhawks were seen. It's just disappointing that the team has not been able to put it all together here for a third consecutive year after that tease right before the bye week when it seemed like they were putting it together we had this tease last year they fell short and it seems like the falling short is happening a lot sooner and and as, as disappointed as all, all, all the fans seem to be. Yeah, you know, it's disappointing for us too because uh, you know being around these guys, you like to see them do well. But you know, I think that the picture's becoming clearer and clearer over the course of the last two or three weeks.
3: Well, of course, it's disappointing, but in the long run, it's just it's bad business. I mean, when when the Hawks are good, it makes our job more enjoyable. More people are inclined to tune into the game and, and hear about the team on a daily basis, and you know now we're getting into it a month of march how many home games are there too many 11 12 13 something like that so boy we're going to be going into that locker room a lot and hopefully there will be some things to talk about in a positive setting but uh yeah that's just it's the way sports go unfortunately but um you know, hopefully nothing but good times ahead. And, again,
1: but, and I guess the biggest thing is uh, the, the disappointment over the, over this particular podcast is is what Jeremy and Jonathan had to talk about afterwards with you know not being ready. That shouldn't be that shouldn't be a factor at this point of the season with what was at stake, and it's just happened all too often. And if if that ends up costing them a playoff berth for the third straight year, um, I. I don't think you're going to see the same structure here. I think the impatience, you hear Jeremy's impatience, There's a lot more impatience in other places in this building as well uh, if they should fall short once again. We want to thank you for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList. Thank you to them for being the presenting sponsor. Again, we encourage you to subscribe on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Leave a review when you subscribe. The podcast will be sitting there waiting for you. Otherwise, you can find it uh, when uh, Joe and I tweet it out. I'm at at Tweets. Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand one. And you can, as always, find it on WGN. Radio.com as well. Thanks to Curtis Koch, our producer, for putting this all together, and to Ernie as well. Ernie, great to hear about how the wife is doing. Um, we hope uh, some of the vibes along here helped along the way to uh, uh, turn the corner as far as your wife is concerned. Again, for Joe, for Curtis, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you on Monday afternoon with reaction and hearing from Stan Bowman following the NHL trade deadline. How about this? He's wanted- The Hawks win the Stanley Cup! Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one.
3: That was great!